0: Welcome to C4 Church Online, equipping you as you follow Jesus. Well, good morning, church. How are you doing today? Yeah, well, happy Easter, and it's, it's Good Friday, and we're so glad that you're here. This Easter season, we have been taking a look and breaking down uh, the Jesus event you know, the claim that is made uh, over 2,000 years by billions of Christians around the world that Jesus Christ, Jesus the Son of Mary, Jesus of Nazareth, was the long awaited Messiah, the Son of God, Yahweh in flesh. Two weeks ago, Pastor John started this whole series by answering questions, uh, you know, of the existence, the life, and the ministry of Jesus. Like, how sure are we? How certain can we be that Jesus actually really existed and did the things that we read about in the scripture? And he walked us through, you know, the great certainty that you and I can have that Jesus really did exist and the undeniable proof of his life and ministry. And then last week, he he just helped us again, you know, with some of the arguments against the resurrection. He talked about how in both the Greek and Roman worldviews, that resurrection was just this totally foreign concept, that they weren't looking for someone who was going to be resurrected. And and even the Jewish worldview, yeah, yeah, I mean, it believed in resurrection. The Jews believed in resurrection, but they believed in a common resurrection of all people at the end of time. Theories of the wrong tomb. The mass hallucination of the disciples. But does that actually even matter? <laughs> I mean, this proof that Jesus lived and, and this proof that his life and his ministry you, you know, can actually be proved with certainty, does it actually really matter if Jesus didn't die on the cross? Like, if Jesus didn't die on the cross, does any of this stuff really matter at all? Like, just go online. Go online. I I did it this week, and and you search. There are all kinds of theories out there. There are all kinds of explanations that that would, you know, argue that Jesus really didn't die on the cross. Some people say, you know, that Jesus just kind of passed out on the cross. He was just kind of overcome with exhaustion and with pain, and he he just passed out. And and so really, he didn't actually die, and that sometime later, he was just kind of resuscitated again. There are other theories that say you know between Jesus's last trial, his final trial, and the time he got to the cross, that there was somehow this you know Italian job kind of switch that happened, and then and that they switched Jesus out somewhere along the way, and they put a replacement in, and so the person who ended up on the cross wasn't actually Jesus. Well, you'd have to be a pretty committed follower to you know take that gig on. Even in the Quran, the holy book of the Muslims, in Surah four. Chapter 4 and verse 157, it claims that Jesus did not die on the cross but that Allah took him up to be in heaven and that Allah caused a great, uh, you know, a great grand illusion to come on all of the people and that there was actually a person on the cross but Allah made it look like Jesus on the cross when it was really someone else. Why all these attacks on the death of Jesus? Why all these theories about the death of Jesus? Well, you see, if Jesus didn't die on the cross, then the foundation of the church for like 2,000 years, the basis of our faith, the proof and the certainty of our individual encounters with Jesus are all smoke and mirrors if Jesus really didn't die on the cross. But if Jesus really did die on the cross, like if, if Jesus really did die on the cross, then I think we have something to celebrate today. Like if Jesus really did rise from the dead, and we're going to hear more about that on on Sunday in just a few days, then I believe that it changes everything. I believe that if Jesus did die on the cross, then skeptics have real and reliable proof that Jesus is exactly who he said he was. I believe that if Jesus did die on the cross and he did rise on the third day, then I believe that skeptics have hope. And if Jesus really did die on the cross... Then I believe that people everywhere have a reason to trust that Jesus is exactly who He claimed to be. He is the Son of God. And I believe that you can honestly meet Him if you really are seeking Him. And so if you're here this morning and you're a seeker, you're a skeptic, you're unsure about all of these claims around Easter, and you're here because someone brought you here, you're here just to investigate and check out, I want to offer you some What I believe is really reliable proof this morning from the scriptures and from other testimonies that Jesus really did die on the cross. There was no grand switch that happened. Jesus didn't just merely pass out on the cross. But I believe we have sure and reliable hope and evidence and facts that prove that Jesus died on the cross. So let's look for a few moments today at the testimony offered and that the evidence that can be presented to prove that Jesus of Nazareth died on the cross on that very good first Good Friday. I want to look first of all at eyewitness testimonies. And the first eyewitness testimony that I want to look at is a man called John. In the gospel account of John, John chapter 19 and verse 35, it says this. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you also may believe. So John is one of the disciples. He is one of the followers of Jesus. In fact, uh, the Scripture tells us that John was his best friend. And here Jesus' best friend is saying that all of the things that he's written down in the five books that he's authored in the New Testament are true and reliable. You can read his accounts. You can listen to his eyewitness testimony. And he is giving you the truth. He is giving you exactly what he saw, exactly what he heard. And of course, you know, the book of John, at least the gospel of John, was probably written in about A.D. 70, somewhere in around there. And so if, if his testimony is unreliable, if the things that he's written down in his book are, are not true, then surely there would have been those who would have argued against him. And yet there aren't any substantial arguments against his eyewitness testimony. The things that he's saying, look, I saw these with my own eyes. I heard these with my own ears. I was right there at the scene. The second eyewitness testimony that we have is from women and some other people, some nameless people. We don't have their names. In the gospel account of Luke chapter 23, verses 48 and 49, it says this. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight, that is the crucifixion, saw what took place, they beat their breasts and they went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. So there are a crowd of people. I mean, it's, it's a kind of a public spectacle in those days to have a crucifixion happen. And so there's these three men who are being crucified, Jesus in the center and two others, uh, one on his right and one on his left, and it says that there's a crowd that gathered around, and these people saw these things, they witnessed these things, and among that crowd, there were some women who followed him. Now again, you know, these are kind of friendly witnesses. These are friendly people that are giving their testimony. We know that the mother of Jesus, Mary, was there. We know that some other people who were very close friends with Jesus were there, but they are They are saying these things. They are saying that they and others, when they saw what happened on the cross, that they beat their chests, and many of them turned and walked away. Well, I think that that is evidence that something dramatic, something catastrophic, something fatal and final happened on the cross. And I would subject to you that that is the fact that Jesus actually died. Like his mother is there. And she is not filled with hope. She is not happy. And the reason is that her son has died on the cross. Well, I know some people might say, well, hey, Dave, look, you know, you're picking John, his best friend, and you got his mom in the, audi- you know, in the, in the witness lineup. Like, you know, moms are going to say anything, right, about their kids. Well, let's turn to some less friendly witnesses. Let's turn to some people, I think, who would be normally hostile the first group that I think would be hostile to the claims that Jesus you know, died on the cross, if you're trying to like, pr- disprove that fact, would be the Jewish leaders themselves. Look at what Mark says in Mark chapter 15, verses 31 to 32. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. And those, who, those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. So in this eyewitness testimony, the eyewitness is saying, look, not only were his best friend there, not only you know, were some, some women who were friendly with him and including his mother and some others, but the Jewish leaders themselves were there. Now think about that for just a second. The people who brought the false accusations against him, the very people who wanted to see him crucified, the people who trumped up the false charges and and those who were giving false testimony, they are there. Why are they there? They want to make sure that it's followed through on what, what they want to happen. They want to see Jesus dead. And they're not going to leave it up to chance. They're going to make sure that Jesus actually dies on the cross. And we have in the gospel accounts the fact that these people are eyewitnesses to the death of Jesus. I think it's in in Matthew's gospel later on, the Jewish leaders actually go to Pilate and they say, they don't go with claims of, hey, we think Jesus didn't die. They actually go and say, you should put a guard around the tomb because he is dead and we're fearful that somebody will steal his body. See, the testimony of hostile witnesses like the Jewish leaders are that Jesus actually really did die on the cross. And then we have, in Mark chapter 15, verses 37 to 39, the centurion. It says there, With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died... He said, surely this man was the son of God. Now, this is an incredible statement for the centurion, and I just don't have time this morning. The centurion realizes that there's something absolutely unique out of all of the crucifixions that this man's ever seen and been a part of, there was something remarkably different about this man's crucifixion. But what I want you to see is that the centurion, the leader over a hundred soldiers, a professional executioner, says, when. I saw how he died, it causes him to think of Jesus completely different. So the Roman centurion, this trained killer, this experienced executioner, says that Jesus was dead. This guy's done this many, many times before. He knows what it looks like. Now, the centurion gives two testimonies two eyewitness accounts. If we look then at Mark chapter 15 verses 43 and 45, we see him coming on the scene again. So Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council who himself was waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus's body. Pilate was surprised to hear that Jesus was already dead. So summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. And when he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. Joseph goes and says, look, Jesus is already dead. It's it's Sabbath in just a few hours. Sundown is happening. We've we've got to get the burial over with. We can't do it during the Sabbath. So would you please release to me, Pilate, the body of Jesus? And Pilate is like, what? What? He's dead already? Now, Pilate didn't understand. And I'm going to get to that in a second. He didn't understand why Jesus died so quickly. But what Pilate does is he summons the executioner himself, the same Roman centurion, the guy whose very life is on the line. Because if Jesus isn't dead, and they ping down the body, and Jesus is resuscitated, and Jesus you know, is brought back to health, and then he appears to people, this guy's life is on the line. So he says, let me bring him in. And the guy comes in, and he says, Absolutely. I'm telling you, he's dead. Undeniable proof that Jesus died on the cross from eyewitness testimony. Now, the reason that Pilate is so shocked that Jesus is dead, I mean, yes, Jesus went through, we know, at least four trials, four mock trials. We know that at every one of those trials, he was beaten and he was punched, he was spit upon, he was slapped. We know that at least one of those trials, he was flogged. And Pastor John talked about what that looked like last week. And all of the research would indicate that many prisoners never survived the flogging. So Jesus is now in total shock. You know, he's in a sort of a critical kind of uh, medical state. It's why he can't carry the cross all the way to Golgotha. And someone has to help him. But Pilate is still shocked that Jesus died. So quickly. But what Pilate just doesn't understand is that there's not just emotional strain on Jesus at this particular time. That there's not just physical strain on Jesus' body. But what does the scripture tell us and it's so vitally important and why the death of Jesus means so much to us today that we celebrate it together and why it's so important that we understand that Jesus really did die on the cross is this. Jesus bore the sin of the world on his body On the cross. All sin, past, up until that moment, and all future sin, my sin and your sin and your sin and your sin and your sin, he bore on his body that day. He carried that great and terrible burden. The God man. Who knew no sin, who lived a completely sinless life, now has heaped upon him all of the sin of all time of all people and as, and as if that isn 't bad enough because the scripture says that the wages of sin is death, I believe beginning in Gethsemane and ending when Jesus yelled out his last, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus had the full wrath and the full anger of God the Father in judgment poured out on him on the cross. See, the judgment that should be mine, the judgment that should be yours, Jesus took that judgment upon himself. Friends, this is why the death of Christ on the cross is so important So, I believe that we have great eyewitness testimony. But I believe there's also some great physical evidence, and I want to look at that briefly. It says in Mark chapter 15, some verses that I've selected there, it says, At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. It was preparation day, that is, the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who himself was waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Now we need to understand what's happening here, and we need to really sort of get a good idea on the timeline. We know that Jesus died about three in the afternoon. And we know that Joseph goes to Pilate because he wants to avoid sundown, because the Sabbath begins for the Jews at sundown. And so there's this time frame between about 3 o'clock and somewhere between 6 and 7 o'clock that this all has to occur. So there's this window of about 2 to 4 hours somewhere in around that. What was Jesus' body doing between his death and the time that Joseph is given permission to take it down? It was just simply hanging on a cross. The corpse of Jesus hung on the cross for hours, not moving, not breathing, not speaking, not sighing, not doing anything, just coldly hung on the cross. And yet there are those that claim that Jesus didn't die. But the physical evidence, my friends, is this is a public event there are hundreds, if not thousands of people who pass by this way. And they look up and they just see this one with the sign over the king of the Jews. And they're like, no, he's no king. He's a dead man. It's just a corpse hanging on a cross. The other piece of physical evidence that I see as compelling as this. In Mark chapter 15 and verse 46, it says this. So Joseph brought some linen cloth. Sorry, he bought some linen cloth took down the body, wrapped it in the linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. And then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Pastor John talked about this a lot last week, about the linen, about the spices, the 75 pounds of spices. But here's the physical evidence that I find so overwhelming is you only bury dead people. (laughs) You don't bury people who are alive. You bury dead people. So they take him down off the cross. And, and they carry this body, and the Romans are there, and, and, and the, the Jewish leaders are there, and everyone is there. And, and they take this body, and they prepare the body for burial, and they put him in a tomb, and they close it over with a stone. But, but you don't do that if people are still alive. It simply doesn't happen if people are still alive. And so I think the physical evidence is overwhelming. The last piece of evidence that I want to talk about and I want to look at is the medical evidence. John is the only one who records these details of the crucifixion event. In John chapter 19, verses 31 to 34. Now, it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. Now, I'm not a doctor, (laughs) And John, the one who wrote this, is also not a physician. But I think it's very interesting what this untrained medical person, he's, he's not trained in any medical way at all, what he records. He records exactly what he sees. He records exactly what those around see happening. See, cru- crucifixions took a very long time for people to die. And, and during it, what would happen is the prisoners would have to push themselves up using their feet, which were nailed to the cross. Excruciating, uh, you know, just to do that. But they had to push themselves up in order to get their breath, and then they would slink back down again. And what would happen is, is fluid would bl- build up in their lungs, and many of them would die from asphyxiation. And so by breaking the legs, it just sped up the process. The person wasn't able to get enough breath, and they would die faster. So the legs are broken of the two men on either side of Jesus. But when the trained executioner, the Roman, comes along, he sees that Jesus is already dead. Again, a a verifiable witness says he's already dead. Now, this guy has to make sure and he has to prove that Jesus is dead because his life is on the line. So Jesus is up there on the cross. He's not breaking his legs because he's like, I'm pretty sure he's dead already. So he says, I can prove this. He takes a long spear, a pointed spear, and he thrusts it up, in, up this way into Jesus, going through his lungs and up into his heart. And what it says is that blood and water flowed, a sudden flow of blood and water. Now, I'm no doctor either, okay? I'm no doctor either. But when I have read what other physicians have said about this particular passage is, is that this is... Uh, pericardial effusion and pleural effusion. Did I even say that right? I'm not sure. Okay. But what it is, is it is blood and it is water. And I understand that when the heart is pierced and when the lungs are pierced, that both blood and water come out as a sure sign that death has already occurred. And this is exactly what this Roman soldier would have understood. And so... I want to submit to you today, friends, that based on eyewitness testimony, based on physical evidence, and based on the medical evidence, we can say with 100% certainty that Jesus was dead on Good Friday. But why does that matter? Why is that so important? Why do we need to prove that Jesus was dead? Well, because the Scripture tells us That without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. You remember what Jesus' cousin said when he was baptizing in the river Jordan and he saw Jesus coming along? He didn't say, look, here comes my cuz. Look, here's one of my family members. He pointed at him and he said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. See, John got it. He understood that Jesus had to die because Jesus in full fulfillment of the Old Testament sacrificial system, had to die on the cross. And through his death... What theologians call his substitutionary atonement. The fact that he was there, it should have been me, it should have been you, and it should have been you. But Jesus willingly took our place and he gave up his life so that we wouldn't have to lose ours. He bore our sin so that we wouldn't have to face judgment for our sin. He took the judgment that was mine and yours on the cross that day. And by his death, we gain forgiveness, we gain freedom, we get a way back to God. We get eternal life. That's why it's so important. That's why we need to be sure and certain that Jesus died on the cross. But what was it that motivated Jesus that day to die on the cross? Well, friends, it was simply love. I mean, we sang about it in two or three of the songs. so remarkable, the songs that were chosen this morning. It was love that put him there. It was love for me and it was love for you that put Jesus on the cross. And without that great love, where would we be? And so if you're a skeptic or a seeker this morning, I want you to leave this morning knowing this, that Jesus did die on the cross and that his death on the cross was a necessity. It was a necessity for you and it was a necessity for me for Jesus to die on the cross. Because if he didn't die on the cross, then there would have been no substitute for me and no substitute for you. The wrath and the anger and the judgment of God the Father would have not been satisfied. And so this morning we're going to take communion as a great reminder. And for those of you who have done church for a long time and for those of you who would call yourselves followers of Jesus, I I want to caution you. Don't run quickly to Sunday yet. Don't go there too quickly. Like we kind of know the story. (laughs) But don't go there too quickly. I want you to linger at the cross this morning. I want you to understand. I want you to celebrate. I want you to, to look at your own life, at your own words and your own thoughts and your own actions and remember that it was our sin that put Jesus on the cross. And if you're a seeker this morning, if you're someone who is investigating faith, this morning is an opportunity for you to meet him for the very first time because it was love for you that motivated Jesus to go to the cross. And so if you are a follower of Jesus this morning, you can take these symbols of his broken body and his shed blood, the the wafer and the juice. They remind us that his body was broken. It was pierced for us. It reminds us that blood did flow But without that shedding of blood, there would have been no forgiveness for our sins. And we would be without hope. And our faith would only be smoke and mirrors. So let me give thanks for the bread and the cup. And if you haven't met Jesus yet, then I would just simply say, take some time to think through what God is talking to you about this morning. But just don't take the elements because you haven't met the one that they represent yet. So Lord, thank you for... Your death on the cross. Thank you for all that you have done for us. Jesus, now we give you thanks. It is with grateful hearts that we celebrate the cross. Thank you for your broken body. Thank you for your shed blood. And as we take these things, Lord, we remember and celebrate and rejoice for all that you have done for us. We give you praise now. We give you thanks. We give you all of the honor and all of the glory In your holy name, amen. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of C4, visit c4church.com.